podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It used to be hard to find the exact auto parts you needed, and that meant spending a lot of time at swap meets. It's a different game now when you can order exactly what you need from eBay Motors. They have 122 million parts, so you can always find the right fitment. Spend less time searching and more time building with the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Welcome to the weekly show here on the Blue Room. Uh, still trying to get the hang of this going live thing on YouTube. But I think we are uh, up and running. Uh, apologies to anyone there who heard Dave Downey have a chat about sitting there with no kecks on. Uh, I'm reliably informed he at least has boxer shorts on. Um, albeit, you know, the excitement in this show may may compliment to someone else. Uh, but <laughs> we are here to have a chat about the Toffees. Uh, joining me is Dave. Dave, how are you? I don't know why you're embarrassed to say that, Matt. It's been an exciting week. We should all be doing the no pants dance on this show. Everyone should be in a crack. Everyone should be in a cracking mood, upbeat, and ready for the season to, to start. With the Blues are going to dominate. We'll see. It would. It was so, well. It's never fine to say that, but it was better to say that when we're just doing podcasts. Now we're on YouTube. <laughs> it's, it's a whole. It's a whole new menace and levels when you, when you say those sorts of comments. Well, sadly, we are before the watershed, aren't we? What is it? Eight o'clock or nine o'clock in this country? So. We won't be seeing any visuals, but uh, yeah, uh, I just want to uh, indicate my excitement on a physical level to the business event we've done this week. What a start that is. Uh, Sarah Halpin also joins us. Uh, Sarah, <laughs> I'm just sure you're excited about the business of Everton have done, albeit not that excited. Oh, I'm absolutely elated, mate. I think I, you can't be an Everton fan right now and not be excited, can you? Otherwise, what is the point? We've got one of the best managers in the world, as I say, every time I get the chance to. And now we're bringing in players, you know, Alan and Decore, I think, uh, fantastic signings. But then, of course, the one that's got everybody majorly talking worldwide right now is James Rodriguez. He's a blue. You, I'm in, I'm in dreamland a little bit and I'm, I'm going to enjoy myself because why not? You, you know, you don't sign players like that every day, do you? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, our third guest today, uh, Paddy Boylan from The Athletic, who we were just talking before we came on air there. Uh, with, with me and Sarah saying that he's been so busy this week, he feels as though he might have passed on to a, a different realm. Uh, Paddy, how are you? You, you said that in fairness, not me. Um, <laughs> although I, I said something pretty similar. So, yeah, it's obviously... Obviously, being a mad week, uh, but all being said, you want it to be a mad week, don't you, when it, when it comes to the transfer market? You want to see Everton investing in players, getting the right kinds of players in. I think all you can say is that you look at this business and, yes, they've brought in a number of players in quick succession. And, and some people might want to draw parallels with the Steve Walsh and Ronald Koeman regime. But here, the big difference for me is that Everton have identified, like, clearly identifiable problems i.e., for example, with Alan, the need for somebody to replace, finally replace Idrissa Gay. James Rodriguez, the real lack of creativity in midfield. And Abdullah Decore, I mean, when was the last time Everton had a box-to-box midfielder like him? So it seems a little bit different. And obviously, there's a huge amount of optimism and putting the fan hat on as opposed to the journalism hat. Seeing James Rodriguez in an Everton shirt emblazoned everywhere in Times Square and billboards in Times Square and on a boat by Miami Beach, which was just really bonkers and mad, but I loved it. Um, and just about everywhere else, Bogota, third tallest building in Bogota, I think it was. Um, yeah, it's insane in a way, uh, but also very, very enjoyable. So, so yeah, it's, it's all part of the mad rollercoaster that is Everton Football Club, of course. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a crazy ride over the, over the last few weeks, certainly. Uh, but we are here now. There's three plays in through the door, as everyone's mentioned. Uh, Everton have gone worldwide, and it's very exciting. So, as if you're watching this on YouTube, let us know in the comments uh, which signing are you most excited about, uh, which signings play. Tottenham on Sunday, I think is an interesting discussion as well. Uh, which of those lads are going to be ready for that potential game? Uh, also, coming up later on in the show, we will have a chat about Everton women who got their season off to a ridiculously good start at the weekend with a fantastic performance uh, against Bristol as well. But, you know, pa- Paddy mentioned there, uh, Sarah sort of want to, want to start talking about today. And it's, we're, I think, going into a new season, certainly the way in which we ended the, the previous campaign. It would have been easy if Everton hadn't signed any of those lads to be going to this game against Tottenham and feeling really downbeat and dreary about the team's prospects. But all of a sudden, in the space of you know a week, ten days, two weeks, 
the optimism levels for this new campaign have gone through the roof, haven't they? And it's, it's, it's like nothing we've really ever had before us ahead of the new campaign. Yeah, it's, it's just like the stuff of dreams right now, honestly. And, you know, Paddy referred to it there about how we've got billboards up all over Times Square in Miami, in Columbia. Um, you know, Everton was trending worldwide, I think, because, you know, people that mightn't have been onto the club from different countries now are following this absolute global superstar in Hamas Rodriguez and, and following him where he's gone. And there's so much hype around it. And the way the club did it as well, I loved how we really put our stamp on the city. It's something we've spoke about on this show recently as well. And seeing, seeing our presence really back in the city again, the way the announcements were done with Alan and then Rodriguez and, you know, the sort of teasing in with it as well, like the little gifts of Yerry Mina and Luca Dean and Richarlison obviously can pay compatriots of the of the players we've brought in um yeah you think back to when we were playing Blackpool a few weeks ago and we were 3-0 down within 10 minutes we hadn't <laughs> signed everyone and Twitter was a pretty miserable place to be Everton Twitter um there was lots of heads rolling around and and people were starting to panic and stress but you know again this is the Ancelotti effect I think it's safe to say that we're able to attract these players, certainly Alan and, and Rodriguez, because of the man who's in charge. And that's what makes this so different to the Steve Walsh and Ronald Koeman. And, you know, Mashiri is where we have seen us spend big on players. It feels different because the personnel that we've got in the club now are, are of the very best. And, yeah, he, he, you've got to get excited, haven't you? Um, I know we've got this mentality where we sort of want to stop ourselves and we go, oh, something Everton will happen and... It'll, it'll not work out how we want it to. But this is a project and it's going to take time. But I think it's, uh, it's safe to say we're starting to see it coming into fruition. And I'm, I'm really, really excited to see the season get underway this weekend. I think it'd be fair to say, sir, that you're the, the most optimistic of the four of us in this, in this chat when it, when it comes to the Toffees. Uh, Dave, are you, are you feeling similar? Have you been, you've been swept up by the excitement this week? I was, I was saying on, on yesterday's Subs Weekly with Les and Jack, uh, the, it, it's been a while since I've been able to talk consistently about our club with, without, uh, with, with a smile on my face. Um, it, I've always found that difficult, as you know, um, because we've had so many false dawns. We've, and you know what? It's, it, I feel as if from an emotional standpoint, it is, it is difficult to separate yourself from that because you do. We're, we're ingrained in these things falling down. And I, I'd be lying if I said that there wasn't elements of what ifs in my mind when it should be an overwhelmingly positive time we should be looking at this as a clean slate and a really exciting project that, that Everton have decided to finally um, right the wrongs of, of years gone by in terms of transfers I mean I was in a discussion with a few people on social media last night the lengths of the contracts even even the finer details of those things look to be rectified in terms of the ridiculous ones that we used to used to get uh, you know under, under Steve Walsh and um, previous sort of managers they always used to be these elongated deals and you know we, we spoke at length about Jordan Pickford given a six-year contract I mean that wouldn't happen now you, you don't feel and these players have been given the length of deal that you would imagine reflects the, the time they are in their career my dogs are going nuts and it's it's because, I don't even know why it is actually there might be a leaf leaf flying straight outside the front but um, yeah apologies for that if you can still hear me over the uh, the stupid barks but yeah I feel as if in, in terms of approaching the season we haven't felt this pr I'll let someone else talk for a minute Matt because this is getting out of hand alright you mute yourself Dave uh, sort the dogs <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'll come back to you uh, Paddy Shane has a question to you really mate uh, what was the question are you feeling like, I mean, you don't sound excited, but are you excited? <laughs> I mean, I, I am always excited to an extent. I think you have to, certainly when you're writing journalistically, you have to temper that a little bit. I mean, you can't go for unabashed optimism. That can never be the name of the game. But yes, I am optimistic. And I think Sarah touched on something quite interesting there when she said that she feels as though these signings maybe wouldn't have happened without Carlo Ancelotti. I, I wrote something quite similar last night. Purely on the basis that Alan and James, in particular, have both name-checked him. And both name-checked him quite extensively, really, when they did their interviews with in-house media. He was seen as the big pull factor to get those two guys to, to Merseyside. Maybe Alan's a slightly different case to, to James insofar as, yes, both players uh, were expected to leave those clubs, but 
Alan was somebody that had obviously worked with him before and had almost been pushed in the direction of some st maybe stepping down slightly from Napoli. Hermes, though, obviously is this global name um, and Carlo will have had to have done a lot of work to convince somebody like him to come to, to Everton Football Club. It's the kind of signing you get when you have a world-class manager or at the very least a world-renowned manager in, in charge of your football club and that's the exciting thing here because Everton are able to get these deals, deals that they wouldn't have been able to do before over the line. So of course there's optimism as, as I've said, I, th I think Everton in theory at least looking at the profile of those players have potentially solved two or three issues just within the midfield. Should that be the last of Everton's business? Should, should Do Everton need more players, for example? Well, I think the answer is Everton do need more players if they're going to compete right at the top for Champions League and maybe even Europa League spots if, if Europa League's just going to be fifth or sixth in the table. But it's a step in the right direction, for sure. Uh, so so lots of po positivity, lots of optimism. I was just wondering, when you, when you said Sarah is more optimistic than the rest of us, you're almost certainly correct. Who is, who is the least optimistic? Well, we'll go back to him now, shall we? Is he calm to shock, <laughs> What a wonderful... That's a massive oversight, that, because I'd say Matt is less optimistic than me. Because when I've heard him, and, and a lot of our listeners and viewers will, will get what I'm saying here, but Matt sometimes struggles to throw his own opinion into these conversations, and it passes him by quite a lot. But I've seen a lot of cynicism from Matt Jones about the age profile of these players. Look, the dogs are kicking off again now, look. Um, <laughs> Matt, Matt's got them in the, under some sort of control here, hasn't he? Because he doesn't want me to hang them out to dry. But to be fair, Matt, you weren't fully on board with each of these signings, were you? Probably apart from Decore. No, I think it's... As, as a trio, I still do have some concerns. Albeit, I think it's... I think it, you can have some underlying concerns about this, but I've can still got really excited this week by all the activity and the way in which Everton have gone about it. And I suppose it was something actually which when we spoke to Sid Lowe this, this week um, <coughs> and it's something that sort of resonated with me when I asked him about Rodriguez and what, what sort of player he thinks we're getting. And he said, Ancelotti's no fool. He, he, will, he will know all about this fella. He'll have done his research into him. He knows him as a player. And I think that did sort of put me at ease a little bit because while we've sort of gone down this route in the past, we've not really had anyone with that sort of stature at the football club. Maybe that'll change if we get beat on Sunday and we start the season poorly. And, and you know, if that, if those things can, can, can change around very quickly. But that did resonate with, with me a little bit. You know, Angelotti is no fool and I will put trust in him. So, and I'll, I'll sort of come back to you on this one, Dave, because it's really, really bizarre that this is, you know, it's happened today and it's us four on today. Because I saw you shared a, a video this morning on your Facebook from Sky Sports News three years ago to the day where. Us four sitting in a studio at the top of the, the Radio City Tower talking about Gilfie Sigurdsson. And me and Sarah do a little interview with Johnny Phillips. And we sort of say about Everton are spending money on, you know, proven Premier League players. It feels like the start of something new. It's, you know, it's a, it's a great it's a great time for the football club. Uh, you can't see on the YouTube video Sarah and Paddy have got their heads in the hands there in regards to that. Well, I'll, I'll come to you first, Sarah, on this one before. Dave, dog, dogs, I'll, come, I'll come to you actually, Dave, in that one. Do, 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 you, do you sit here now and feel differently, really differently to how you felt then three years ago when you were talking about those players? That's a really good question. I mean, I suppose the, the general answer and the short answer is yes, I do. Um, because I've stated many times this summer and since we got him, that regardless of the, the empire that, well, appeared to be falling apart at Everton, Carlo Ancelotti was someone who I felt was a always going to be a shining light, regardless of went on, what went on around him in terms of players and how inept the squad was, particularly in midfield. Um, I always felt that he, he was the great hope here. Uh, and those, those, there's two things, isn't it? There's that and there's the stadium. I think if ever we're feeling too down about the club, it's, I think it's the stadium that we all turn to and think, you know what, things could, we could be set for brighter days when the stadium comes along. Um, so it was nice to get that shot in the arm a couple of weeks ago that they were talking about planning permission and and and, uh, and, and there being a spade in the ground in the new year. Um, but in, in terms of tangible things, um, not so much because of the, the players that we had. Now, you, you throw the three signings in that we've, we've had now. I, I do feel massively different going into this season. I remember the occasion you're talking about because at the time it was when Ross Barkley was 
playing us, you know, down the river. To be honest with you, about his move to Chelsea at the time, and yeah, a lot of fans seem to think that when he did a U-turn at the time, when he initially looked like he was going to go, I think it was in the January window at the time, yeah. wasn't it? People seem to think that it was going to be a reprieve for him and he was going to play again. But I personally had felt vindicated in saying it's absolutely not going to happen. For Havnashiri, in what he came out and said afterwards, was uh, was quite brutal, I think, in, in his comments on Ross Barkley. And there was an indication that he was never going to play for us again. Um, I mean, you think of the deterioration in the midfield since then, by the way. Um, a lot of people would stand, I think, maybe a month ago when we hadn't signed anybody and say, you might well have Ross Barkley back in the side, given how poor everybody else has been. So, yeah, I sit here right now much more optimistic, Matt. I think we're not in a situation by any means that I think we can make an assault on the top six, you know, the conventional top six. I know Spurs are way off the pace in the end last season, uh, as, as were with Arsenal before, obviously, they won the FA Cup and got some big results towards the end of the campaign. I feel as if we're much we're back on an even footing. I think, um, in terms of being that side that looks to push the top six, but one that generally will finish or ultimately finish in seventh or eighth, and that's only down to the fact that I think three players can't change the whole thing. There's 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 no way. It's too much to ask us as 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 good as the quality is that we've got in in the last week or so. They can't do it on their own, and. The, the thing you would, I think many people would throw back in my face would be, well, they're going to improve everybody else around them. And that might be the case, but I still feel there's some gaping holes in certain areas um, in, in terms of squad depth, if not quality of the first team uh, players that are already there. So, for instance, right back, I think we've got an ageing Seamus Coleman there, backed up by a John Joe Kenny, who I think the jury would still be out on, given Premier League terms. Luca Dean, we don't really have sufficient backup for him. And at centre half, we still have the same problem we had when we were all based in Marcel Brands for not getting a replacement for Kurt Zuma or Kurt Zuma himself. We're still in that situation. I've seen the rumours about for Kyle Tamori from Chelsea on loan pick up. Maybe Paddy can give us a little bit more on that. But that, that'd be something I wouldn't be surprised to see happen. Um, and, and like Paddy said, I think he's maintained for most of the summer. You're probably going to see Branthwaite and, and, and or um, Gibson go out on loan. I wouldn't be too despondency, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, I think we're miles away from the finished article, but much more optimistic. And yeah, I think we'll be in the hunt for Europa League places because the, if the probability is, Matt, with the top six, it will go down to seventh. Yeah, I, I think just to obviously pick up on what Dave said there about the centre-half situation. Obviously, before lockdown, Everton were very, very keen on Gabriel of Lille, who obviously eventually joined Arsenal. But felt at the price post-COVID that Lille were touting him around for, that it just wasn't a deal that was worth doing. Not only that, but obviously then they looked elsewhere. And effectively, if we've got a, a part of this much money, most of it needs to go on midfield. That's where Ancelotti has identified the biggest need for improvement. And let's be honest, I think most of us would have agreed with, with Ancelotti there. Now, obviously, Everton have got that new midfield in place particularly Ducore and Alain, but James can play in a variety of different roles. So I think attention moves elsewhere. The reason Tamori appeals is, is because of Mason Holgate and his toe injury. I don't necessarily think they would have looked to dip back into the market, but um, Holgate's injury doesn't look too good at this moment in time. Tamori is a player they know who is kind of surplus to requirements that they went for last summer and very, very nearly got. So I think in a whole load of ways that makes sense as cover, as backup. The problem you're going to have is that even though Tamori, I think, is receptive to a move to Everton and, and I think is in with a chance of coming for sure, uh, he's going to want assurances over game time as well that he's going to be in and around the first team picture. Everton have got not only Holgate, but... Like we said there, Branthwaite, there's a situation with Lewis Gibson. You've got um, Mina, Keane. And at the moment, Keane's obviously the only fit, fully fit senior centre-back on Everton's books. Although Ancelotti thinks Yerry Mina will be back for the game, the curtain raiser against Tottenham on, on Sunday. In terms of Branthwaite and, and Gibson, I think those situations have been rather fluid. I think my, my line, certainly my line, what's been told to me is that Gibson was always going to go out on loan. 
and further his development. It was felt that he needed more games at a higher level. He obviously played at Fleetwood in League One last year and did very, very well. I think that will still happen, but probably happen later in the window when injuries have cleared a little bit uh, at centre-half. Branthwaite, I think, would have headed into the new season fourth-choice centre-back had Holgate stayed fit and may well still do, but obviously he missed the game as well mm. against Preston through injury. So I think that's the situation at centre-half is fluid because everything's up in the air. How, how long Mason Holgate's going to be out for? We, we believe he'll miss the start of the season. Um, although different people will say different things on that one. Uh, Branthwaite still nursing his way back to full fitness. So as it stands, you've got Yerry Mina, so-so for the match against Tottenham. Michael Keane is away on international duty, who's fit at present. And Lewis Gibson's in with the chance, given that Everton have got so many games in a short space of time. You'd have to consider him to be in with a decent chance of at least making the bench in one of these games. And potentially with Salford City in the Carabao Cup in the midweek, in between Tottenham and, and West Brom, I think it is, um, in with a chance potentially even of getting onto the pitch in, in that game, you would imagine. So, yeah, a lot is up in the air, but a lot, a lot is up in the air because we need to know the true extent of what's happening with Holgate and Brantwaite and people like that. Um, I just think we've, we're almost blessed that we've got two young centre-backs coming through that are as good as these two, particularly when everybody, every man and his dog around Europe wants talented ball-playing, left-footed and left-sided centre-halves at the moment. Everything have got two of them. Yeah, um, just very quickly before we go on to speak about some more in a bit more detail, I've had some comments on YouTube. Uh, Jack McCann, Alan Decore are more important signings, but they should allow Hammers to really excel. Just putting Hammers next to Davis and Sigurdsson would have felt underwhelming. Uh, Jamie, in regards to who should start the weekend, has said Alan Decore to start, bring on Hammers when we're free now. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly excited and optimistic there. <laughs> uh, we've got a few questions where we'll come back to them at the end. Uh, Jamie's also said this summer does feel different. Uh, to 2017, we signed four number tens back then. This feels more planned. Uh, but just just on to tomorrow then, Sarah. Um, I, you know, Paddy's given us some, some insight into the, the potential of this one. It looks, you know, it feels like one which which might get over, should, should get over the line eventually. Um, but what I sort of like about it is that it, it feels as though he could be someone who maybe comes in just behind, maybe Mina, Keane, and Holgate, given everyone's fit. But given game time, it feels like he's a player that could probably cements his place in the side by the by the end of the campaign if he comes in and does well. He, he's on upward trajectory, I suppose, is what I'm saying. Yeah, he is, absolutely. And, you know, he's not obviously been too major in, in Frank Lampard's plans. Obviously, they brought in Thiago Silva, which has pushed him even further out. So, I think a move to Everton would be very attractive to him. And as Paddy's just discussed there with the injury problems with Holgate Mina not being fully fit, Bransway, Lewis Gibson, what we're going to do there. I think... Tamori as well. Is he 22? He's only a young lad. Um, a quality player from what I've seen of him. And, you know, we, we got Kurt Zuma and didn't we, a couple of seasons ago on a loan. And by the end of that, we, we were all absolutely dying to see him sign. Um, so if we do get him in on a loan, I wouldn't be surprised if there's maybe a potential to, to sign him afterwards. Um, we obviously missed out on Gabriel as well and, and, and players that we've looked at at, at centre-back. So, yeah, maybe business would have been done. Um, but for what's happened with Holgate and stuff, yeah, I think it'd be an excellent addition. Um, a season-long <laughs> loan, as I say. I think it would be a good move for all parties involved. He's another quality player. And, yeah, just it's just nice seeing these these players come through and being linked with with such good quality players as well. Um, and like Dave and, and other people that have commented have said as well, I very much think that this is totally different. I can't believe that was three years ago, by the way. Can't believe that was I don't, three I don't years know if you, ago. I don't know if you saw um, that. Did you see the video that Dave put on, on his Facebook this morning? I've, I've not seen it yet, but I'm going to go and, and, and have a look at it because I can remember it so clearly. And I remember being excited because... We were spending money like we we got like Keane, Pickford, Class and Rooney, all these players in, and just never seen Everton spend money like that. And you know Ramirez, all these players that now some of them we're still talking about for for the wrong reasons. But um, yeah, it feels different this time around. Carlo Ancelotti is a the manager. These players that are coming in are real winners like Rodriguez said the same with um Alan and Decore I think he's he's a real real top top signing as well for me that sorts our midfield out um don't know whether you'd you'd see 
I don't think we'll see all of them start on the weekend, but I certainly think Decore is one that, that is probably going to come straight in, hopefully as well, given that he's got so much uh, Premier League experience. So, yeah, the, the squad definitely still needs work. There's still additions that need to be made. That goes without saying, but I think we're heading into the season feeling, feeling pretty confident and maybe a few more faces by the weekend. We'll have to wait and see. Hmm. The one other thing about that that video, Dave, is you know, looking back at it, is that me, Paddy, and Sarah look all a lot more fresh faced then than we did now. Whereas you're you're about you know half the man you were back then. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot more hair as well then, Matt. I'm happy to be on too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it, it is it is remarkable. I mean some of the um, obviously having a laugh on Twitter put up the difference two years makes, and it had uh, Ancelotti standing proudly next to. James Rodriguez and then our big Sam in the other pitches standing proudly oh, with Theo Walcott and that, that shows you the extent to which things have moved on and can change doesn't it um, but you well, know just, at um, least, go on sorry, I was going to say on to Maury Sarah mentioned there about the, the prospect of being a, a buyback clause I think from what Paddy's reported there wouldn't be one is that, that right Paddy just not um, sure. We've we've not heard of a buyback clause and I think what makes that very very difficult is the fact that Chelsea like him Mm-hmm. Um, and Tamori would like to succeed there. Fr- it's the same situation as uh, Zoom as Paddy, isn't it? it I, I I understand it to be pretty similar, yeah. And look, that's not to say that at the end of that, Everton couldn't look to negotiate a deal if Tamori was surplus to requirements at Chelsea, and he went on to do very well at Everton. But at this moment in time, I think all parties just looking at it and saying twelve months. Let's see how he gets on. He needs games under a good manager. And again, what better manager if, you, if you're Chelsea to send a young centre-half yeah. to than, than Carlo Ancelotti? So I, I would not expect it to be. If this gets over the line, and there's a good chance at the moment it will, um, I would not expect it to be um, a buy clause in there, a purchase option, if you, if you want to call it that. Well, would that put you off in any way, shape or form, Dave, when it comes to this deal? Or is it just one that makes sense for the all parties? Well, not at all, because <clears throat> I think there has to be an understanding here that regardless of various reports and various high-profile financial Evertonians who, who talk about the like, um, Everton's finances are, are a well-kept secret, it seems, because I don't think many of us could have envisaged the, envisaged the club going out and spending 50 million quid this summer, regardless of how much the midfield needed strengthening, and, and that's what they've gone and done. Um, various places saying now that the that the loan system is going to be utilised because that's pretty much our spending done. I'm not so sure about that. I think the c- conflicting reports we've seen on, on the value of Hammers. Some places, I think Transfer Market, the, the website have got him down as coming on a free transfer. The BBC have said 12 million. Other sources are saying around 20 odd million pounds as well. So, not depending on that. Pounds. It's, what, it's, it's, it's not £20 million. Pounds. No, no, and, and that's what I mean. So, you know, you, if you look at that, I think, well, is there still a few quid left in the coffers if they potentially want to go and stretch a little bit more and go back into the market? I still think that could potentially happen. There's talk of having Lozano's rear its head again, Wilfred Zahard as well. I wouldn't be surprised if he went out and pulled another one out the bag. But in terms of, of Tamori, I, I think it's an excellent deal because we do need pace at the back. I, I don't think we have... Three centre halves there, the three senior centre backs we have right now, I don't think are fully reliable in a number of ways. I, I, I think Michael Keane as a senior centre half is absolutely fine. I don't mind him starting games at all. We had a stage a couple of years ago where he was playing with a serious injury that he was getting painkiller injections for. Yeah. And we had more centre halves at the club at that time. Um, so I, I, we need a fourth, a fourth first choice centre half without a shadow of a doubt. And I think whilst it hasn't been the priority this summer, or you know that's changed given what Paddy was saying about Gabriel, I feel as if a long move for him would be perfectly suffice for this season. Because then you're looking at secondary issues then, Matt. The midfield was the absolute priority this this summer. They've gone and addressed that in, in, in the best way they can, and we're all delighted about it, and the quality of signings have been exceptional. That That's superb. But then the secondary issues that I'm pretty sure the board and Ancelotti have looked at and brands in particular, with these niggly little areas where we perhaps need some cover or we need a better quality or even a younger upgrade, i.e. at the right-back position. They've very much been secondary, so I think they will then uh, a lot loan moves for those players rather than going heavy into the market again like they have done with the midfielder. So it's been a case of 
priorities this summer. Yeah. And next on the list is is a centre half. I would argue many would say a winger, but at, at centre half you simply have to have four centre halves. It's not. It's still a lingering issue from when brands either fail to get Zuma back or find an adequate replacement for him. Yeah, like like I said, I'm not sure Everton do decide to go for Tamori if if Holgate stays fit. But we are where we are on this. And what it will do is allow, at some point later in the window, Lewis Gibson to go out on loan and cut his teeth, hopefully playing championship football and most likely playing championship football. Jared Branthwaite, there's an option there. Does he stay? Does he become um, another option to go out on loan? Let's wait and see how Hallgate is first. My, my guess is he'll probably have to stay. Branthwaite and um, Competer's cover with some of those other guys you mentioned there. Um, and it's interesting Dave speaks about the options at Everton's disposal because Jerry Mina's injury record is not good and has not been good. Michael Keane is good when you play him in a certain system. If you decide that you're going to go and high press right from the front and your centre-halves are going to be defending on the halfway line, then that's probably not Michael Keane's game, nor should he be asked to play in that way. It'd be like putting, let's say, just trying to think of a Lee Tomlin. It'd be like putting Lee Tomlin up front and asking him to, 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 to be the guy doing Blue the high channels, press yeah. for, for 90 minutes. Um, he's a very good footballer, by the way, Lee Tomlin. He's a very, very technical footballer, but he's, <laughs> he's, he's not the guy that's going to play on the shoulder of the last defender, is what I'm saying. Um, so it's very much going to be a horses-for-courses approach. Mina's injury record, like I've said, I think is a, is a little bit of a concern if you're only going to go in with three centre-backs. And, and really... Um, Everton were lucky that last season they got as far as they did without being exposed for uh, that lack of fourth choice option. When you think about it, Lewis Gibson went out, out on loan. He he was fourth choice, even though Marco Silva didn't really consider him as such and didn't want to blood him in in competitive games. But he went even he went out on loan in the January, so they were left with those three guys. And we've seen Mina's injury record, so very quickly Everton could have been really short of cover. Thankfully, Branthwaite came in late on and, and obviously did very well. Um, and it's kind of, I think, accelerated his growth. We've seen Anthony Gordon's growth in a different position. Accelerated too by the Premier League rules over substitutes. They're obviously now going back to the way they were before. But you would hope those two are now in better fettle than they were before in, in, a, in a better frame to kind of kick on and be part of the Everton first team setup. And I, I think they are. So, See, see Tamori's potential signing, as it is at this stage, as uh, a bit of a facilitator. It will allow Everton to blood young players at different clubs. And it will also give them the cover they need while they wait on a few of those guys that are injured. Hmm. The, thing, the thing I like about a potentially coming in is that I think sometimes a centre-back partner, you know, centre-back stables, if you will, there's four of them. There's a clear pecking order, I think, whereas... If we if those were our four senior options for the campaign and Tamori, Holgate, Keane and Mina, all of them I imagine will be thinking, if I come in and have a good game or I impress and train and I'm probably going to be starting matches, it feels like they're all very much on an even keel. And I think sometimes when you've got two standout centre-backs, so you've got one standout centre-back and then a second one, then a third one and a fourth one, it's all very clear. You can lose that competitive edge in any position on the football pitch. But I think if you've got those four, and all of a sudden, things change a lot differently, and there's more of an edge to the way we think about it. Dave, do you want to make a point? Yeah, yeah. I just interested in what Paddy said about a lot of this being dependent on Holgate, sort of short to mid-term fitness. Do you not think Paddy that will go for him, even if Holgate's fit? Because we, I still feel as if we still need the fourth centre half. I'm sure many people will say they want to see Brantwaite as the fourth choice or Gibson. It's guaranteed that one of them go out on loan. I'm pretty sure, but I mean, I, I, I think that. And and to follow up on that, I think if we get Tamori in, that defence still needs to be picked on merit, just simply because he might not be in our long-term plans. And going back to what Matt said about it only potentially being alone with no option to buy, because I think Frank Lampard's still a huge fan of his. Yes, yeah. Still, to me, in, in the short term, I, I think if he's one of our best centre-halves, if he's one of the best two that Ancelotti sees, he needs to play. I, I think it needs to be a meritocracy when it comes to that, rather than just saying, well, I don't feel as if he's got a future here, but, you know, Holgate has, but then Tamori's been the one who's played a lot better, if you get what I mean. I'm trying to be trying to be careful what I say here because Everton have always liked Tamori and have always had an eye on him and always assessed the situation. And even before Holgate got injured, there were indications that Everton 
were interested to some extent in him. That being said, they didn't leave the table for Gabriel. Um, all the way along, they were particularly keen on this left-footed, left-sided option. And they saw the emergence of Gibson and Branthwaite and decided, well, the midfield's more of a priority here. So I don't think personally that Everton would have gone for Tamori had Holgate not got injured. That, that's just my personal belief. That's not to say, though, and this is why I'm trying to be careful with my words, that Everton have, have not had any interest in Tamori at all, ever, and that this is a last-minute job. They've always had that list of centre-halves and centre-halves they like, and he has always been on that list. The, the reason, obviously, we've, we've all touched on it, that he's, he's 22, there's lots of upside, feels he's got a point to prove as well. I think this is really important insofar as at one point he was playing for Chelsea and in the England squad. Now he's not playing for Chelsea, a slip down the pecking order, and he's obviously not in the England squad. So you get a young, hungry player determined to prove himself that can come in and first be cover and be the, one of those four options. But then also potentially, as Matt said, supersede. There's no reason here. There's no, maybe outside of Holgate, who is, is currently injured, there's, there's no definitive ranking here of the other Everton centre-backs. I don't feel Keane and Mina are kind of much of a muchness. It depends on who's fit, who's been playing well. Actually, if all of them had been fit at the start of the season, I'd have played Keane and Holgate, because I think that was a good partnership in the in the, in the period after lockdown. But there's not much to separate some of those guys. Um, and Tamori's extra speed, his extra ability on the ball, compared to some of them, I think would have stood him in good stead. So... I think you've just got to look at this as a kind of transactional thing if it comes off. Everton are getting a young, hungry player that would allow them to play in a variety of different ways. If they want to go and defend on the halfway line, they can do it because he's quick enough. If they don't, uh, he's still got a lot of attributes uh, to, to kind of help them through anyway. So um, if, if Everton get him, I think he'll be a good sign. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, have you got any questions for any of... Uh, Paddy, Sarah, or Dave, get them in now. Uh, just before we do take some of those questions, uh, Sarah, uh, obviously, Everton men's team looking to get started against Tottenham in you know a good way on Sunday. Uh, the girls got their campaign started in the best way possible at Bristol at the weekend. Four uh, 0 win. Uh, Simone McGill, uh, Valerie Govan, and two goals for Lucy Graham. Um, brilliant performance and you know you sort of called it last week when you said in that friendly it looked as though a lot of things were clicking together for them. Yeah, 100%. Uh, you can just see, you know, we had, firstly, we had five debutants in the starting 11, which is, which is fantastic and testament to the summer business that the club have done. Um, the fact that we were able to start without the marquee signing of Valerie Gavan as well. Um, Claire Emsley also started on the bench and it was great to see Simone McGill get the first goal. And for those of you who haven't seen it, you must check it out on Everton Women's Twitter that the assist from Captain Lucy Graham is a back heel over the head. And then Simone runs onto it, first time finish, cool finish past the keeper. All the goals were great. Um, Lucy got two goals to assist the captain. And the, so it's like the, the old players that we've had and, and the new coming together, um, plenty of internationals. Some of the movement and the play, you know, one pass, to one touch football, it was, it was beautiful um, and a real, real joy to watch and just so comfortable. And then the fact we were able to bring on Valerie Gavan in the second half and we ended up making five substitutions, that's still something that's able to happen in the FAWSL. Um, and Gavan just showing why, why we brought her in with a, a world-class finish, um, just cool as you like, right at the death to make it 4-0. And to be honest, the girls just looked like they were, there's so much more to come. I think the ceiling's so much higher um, that they can hit these heights. And we've got Spurs also this weekend at Walton Hall Park. So a double header for Everton versus Spurs this weekend. And hopefully our girls can make it two wins out of two in the league. You know, the, the two games before the 4-0 as well were 5-0, five, five back-to-back 5-0 wins. So in the last three games, I know only one's been competitive, but a 14-0 aggregate win, you know, that's, that's, that's not bad as it score 14 goals without, a re without reply. So, yeah, in terms of Everton men, very exciting and, and the same can be said for the women's team. So it's a great time to be a Blue. Was there any indication that the, the attacking patterns the team was playing was different? Because obviously so much was ge geared around Chloe Kelly last year because 
She had, you know, she had such a great campaign. She was such a fantastic goal scorer. Was there any sort of indication that Everton are going to go about the, the attack and play differently? Or did, just, did the, the new players slot in? The new players have slotted in fantastically, but I do think there has been a, a change in the way we play. It's a lot more to feet. It's a lot more, you know, ticky-tacky, if you like, yeah. and, and, and the, you know, these triangles and stuff, and the opposition just haven't been able to, to contain Everton. Um, Izzy Christensen coming in as well. We signed her and Hayley Razzo both in, <laughs> in January. Those two have come in and just looked absolutely exceptional. Izzy Christensen um, in particular, I think, just really pulling the strings in that midfield and, and making everything tick for the team. And we knew we'd signed a world-class player when we signed Izzy. And so far, uh, I saw her play 90 minutes at Walton a few weeks ago for the, the, the pre-season friendly. And I was privileged to watch her play the full 90 the other day uh, at Bristol at Twerton Park. And yeah, just from start to finish, an absolute superstar. And she's got it all to... You know, she she's got it all to not to prove because she's proved she's she's won Champions League, she's won league titles, she's won everything. But she'll be desperate to get back into um, the Great Britain squad for the Olympics. That that's her main ambition is to do well for the club, and of, of course, hopefully the the caps will follow for the country again. And um, she's certainly on the right track there. And yeah, Simone McGill, Hayley Rasso, and and uh, Izzy Christensen, those three I think had a had a really lovely partnership developing. So. Yeah, it's it looks really exciting, Matt. Really, really exciting time, and I'd urge all Evertonians to to watch them. If you, you can get the Barclays FAWSL player, the free app, you can watch their games for free on there. Um, it's something that you're going to want to be involved with. Yeah, just to, to pick up on what you were saying there about a change in style, Matt. I spoke to Willie Kirk a few weeks before the start of the season. He was obviously full of optimism, really pleased with the business that had been done, and. He said something to me, we were talking about Chloe Kelly leaving to go to Manchester City. The club obviously wanted to keep Chloe Kelly and tried quite hard to do so. I think it purely comes down to the fact that she wanted to play Champions League football. But what he said was, he saw it as an opportunity. They, They had been so reliant in attacking areas on Chloe to do something sublime, something out of the ordinary. It wasn't necessarily about patterns of play. And that's not doing anyone a disservice, but occasionally the game would be nil-nil. She'd run 20 yards of the ball and then bang one in the top corner and they'd win the game that way. And he said, towards the end of the season, we weren't creating chances, we were reliant on those moments. My task now and my task in the market has been to provide those foundations so that we dominate teams, that we're creating enough chances to win games anyway. We don't need whoever it may be, Hayley Rasso or Claire Elmsley to, to, to go and do something. We're just going to play the, the kind of football that gets us enough clear-cut chances to score the goals. And I think we obviously saw that in bucket, bucket loads against, um, against Bristol City. Sarah's so touched on the first goal, which is, is fantastic. It's unbelievable and, and definitely the best out of the four, by the way. But I actually love the four and just the way... Valerie Govan, the, the new French international signing, made a finish that was quite difficult, look really simple, really, really simple. She just kind of opened the body up and just put it into the far corner. And that's what you're getting in her. She's a, a top uh, striker, a top goal scorer, and will make Everton even more potent at the top end of the pitch. So when you've got kind of Izzy Christensen pulling the strings in midfield and Hayley Rasso buzzing about and Kermsley doing the same, then you start to have the makings of a really exciting side to watch. Echo exactly what Sarah says. Watch them as much as you can. It's free on the iPlayer, uh, the FA player, I should say. And then at some point, hopefully when crowds get back, they are no longer in Southport. They're no longer playing on sand in Southport. They will be <laughs> at Walton Hall Park, very close to Goodison, obviously, and really accessible venue for most Blues who live in the Merseyside area. So, yeah, make sure to go get down and support them because I think you'd enjoy it. I was going to say, it's uh, it's come to pass, hasn't it? Robert Elston's one of his failed projects. I'm sure he'll take that off the list, only that Everton do have a stadium <laughs> on Walton Hall Park. <laughs> yeah, <Of> very <laughs> true. At last. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely. Go, go and check those goals out if you haven't already. Uh, great start of the season for the girls. I've got Lucy Gray in particular, as Sarah mentioned there, two goals, two assists. Uh, we'll take a few questions before we uh, end tonight. Uh, quickly rattling through them all. Chris Oliver, even all, have you been pleased with Everton's marketing this week off the back of our signs, or could they do even more? I mean, 
I'm not an expert in this by any means, Dave, but I think having billboards up in Times Square, uh, being on the side of the, the main tower in Columbia's capital, being at you know at the beach in Miami, it feels as though the club have done pretty much as much as they could here. Yeah, it's refreshing to see, isn't it? I mean, I, I think it's been very gung-ho, hasn't it? We've just seen all of these thrown upon us all of a sudden. I don't think it's a distinguished market plan. It's not really staggered and, you know, I doubt we'll see uh, much more of it, say, beyond the end of this week. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it is refreshing, isn't it, when we've banged on for years about how they didn't exploit international superstars in the past, like Cale and, and Tim Howard and, and Landon Donovan and players like that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a brilliant change to see. It's great to see fans sort of being immersed in all that as well. We, we ourselves have seen a lot of communication from Colombian fans about James Rodriguez asking about what Everton songs there are and you know how did they get all of the kit and stuff like that. So um, those pieces, I think, finally, about two decades too late, are finally starting to to be put together, and we're seeing some real proactive stuff from the club's marketing department. It's great for Hummel, isn't it? I mean, I've seen them absolutely yeah. raving about Rodriguez and how he looked in the kit and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, it's good we're able to talk about these things in a positive light because. I mean, we've we've gone over that ground hundreds of times about how the club have missed opportunities like that. The one for me that made me smile was the one outside Lime Street, where the previous day Liverpool had had, I think it was either Van Dijk or Trent Alexander-Arnold. They also had a big poster on, um, what's it called, the building next to Lime Street where the student place is, what's it called? Some sort of halls. Anyway, um, opposite St George's Plateau, and uh, Everton decided to go and use their a bit of muscle and get James Rodriguez on there the next day. Just thinking it must have funded St. John's Precinct between the two clubs for the next 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> are, are, there any, are there any other landmarks in the world that you want to see Everton brandish James Rodriguez on? It's everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Eiffel, Eiffel Tower next. Side, yeah. side of the... You know, side of the Grand Canyon or something like that. Tesco and Let's get his face on the Grand Canyon, yeah. <laughs> Paddy, what was that? Paddy, Tesco and St. Helens? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Paddy likes standing around of an evening. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's where he's off to after this to get his tea. <laughs> yeah. uh, but finally, just very quickly, a word on, on, on Tottenham at the weekend. I'll, 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 I'll go through this. I'll, I'll come to you first, Sarah. Um, how many of the three new signings do you start on Sunday? Oh, I think it, it's very <clears> tempting <throat> to start two for me. I think in in um, Alan and. Decore. I don't know whether two will start. I, I don't think we'll see all three of them. Um, Decore for me, I think will be on that. St- we, the midfield's been what we've needed to address, and we've done that fantastically well. But I think to throw them all three of them in would be a bit too soon. That said, you know, we'll wait and see what happens. Is we've seen glimpses of Rodriguez in uh, training, just absolutely mugging people off. Big fan of that. So uh, no, but I, I, I think we'll see one or two, but I don't think Rodriguez will start. Love to see him come on. As one of the uh, viewers said, maybe if we're, maybe if we're 3-0 <laughs> up, you know, that'd be a nice luxury to have. But uh, yeah, Decore for me should start, definitely. Paddy? Should Decore start or should all three of them start? Well, how many of the three would you start? Two. Alan and Decore, provided yeah. they're both fully fit. Um, I think James Rodriguez is a slightly different case. Uh, I'm sure he's a fit lad, but I don't think he's had much of a pre-season. So, do you throw him in against Spurs away? Personally, I probably wouldn't. I'd leave him on the bench and just give him half an hour and say, go and do everything you can in that half an hour. Uh, Alan obviously was with Napoli in a pre-season camp before he came to Everton. Don't think he played all the games because De Laurentiis was trying to save him for that move, that impending move. But he's had legs under his and minutes under his belt, I should say, in pre-season. Ducore not had minutes in pre-season, but trained separate to the Watford squad for for much of um, the last kind of couple of months. So I, I would probably start those two. Uh, somebody described Ducore to me. He said he's as fit as a fiddle, so should have no problem. Um, going and, and playing against Tottenham. I'd, I'd start those two and probably have, I'd, l- I'd look to counter slightly, have um, Richarlison and Anthony Gordon, if this was me personally, either side of Calvert-Lewin and play 4-3-3, saturate the midfield a bit and look to hit them on the counter and Anthony, if he, if he gets his chance, will be well worthy of it. 
Dave, what about you? I think I think at this point last season, I asked you whether you'd start Moise Keane at Crystal Palace in the Open, and you said last year, he'll score a hat trick. Uh, so I feel like you're I feel like you're the most likely candidate to say yeah, hammers in from the start. I was going to, uh, well, he got a hat trick a minute. That was about it, wasn't it? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I, I'd, I'd have them all starting, Matt, to be honest with you. If you want to make a, a statement at the start of a campaign, obviously the varying levels of fitness and it all depends on what work they've, they've done this week and how Ancelotti assesses where they're at in the various pre-seasons. I think Rodriguez has only played four, uh, started four games, he's played five in total in the entirety of 2020. So that's obviously an issue. Uh, I think Alan's the most match-ready. Like Paddy said, played some pre-season games with Napoli and was wrapped in cotton wool by them for his impending move. Uh, I think Decore, according to people I know, Watford hasn't had any pre-season at all, apart from his own sort of work that he's done. Similar to Hammers, if you look on his, uh, his social media, he's been doing a lot of independent training. Um, he, trained, he trained separate to them. He, he was Did at he, the training ground, but he just wasn't part of the main group. Doing his own work. and stuff. So yep. you'd imagine, Paddy, it'd be the same sort of... Um, regime that he was going through aside from ball work he would think wouldn't you then if he's on his own yeah. Um, but yeah I mean I, I'd, be, I'd be tempted to lash all three of them in Matt absolutely and, and, and try and get this off to a real flyer um, you know <laughs> it's funny we've signed these three players you, you have to think now and this is where work still needs to be done that if one of them doesn't play you're going back to a midfield that is in a, in a majority let us down um, so it'd be, I think it'd be quite be quite deflating really if we arrive on the opening day and we're still seeing with no respect to them whatsoever Gilfie Sigurdsson and, and Tom Davis or Fabian Delft starting in this game and um, that'd be a real sort of yeah just knock it off your high horse wouldn't it so last the three of them in and let's get off to a flyer. Can I just can I just add by the way that when people start with with no disrespect I said no respect at all oh, <laughs> I, I thought you said I, I thought you said with no disrespect. Oh, no, um, I, meant ab- I meant absolute disrespect. Oh, right, OK. <laughs> right, in that case, I could change my point, but I'm still going to make it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone ever says with no disrespect, what follows after is always very disrespectful. Yeah, yeah. It's like... Like, it's I'm, like, not being, like, like I'm not being funny, but... And, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. All those caveats that you get in, those disclaimers you get in before you punch somebody in the gut. In yeah, terms of what absolutely. You say. No, purely intentional points in the gut. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> but there you go. I I question whether Dave would be yeah. <laughs> like that over no. some of our most cherished midfielders, and he obviously did. So. No, no sugar, no sugar coating with Dave. He doesn't, he doesn't do kiss and diss. He just does this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. uh, but yeah, that is we are out of time today here on the weekly show. Thanks very much to everyone for getting involved on YouTube as ever. Thanks very much to everyone who listened as well. Just a reminder as well, this is sponsored by Pitch Sport. Uh, do get downloaded the app ahead of the new campaign. We have videos and predictions and all sorts over there ahead of the new season. So do download the Pitch Sport app. Thanks very much to Paddy, to Sarah, and today we'll be back again. Same time next week, reflecting on Everton playing an actual Premier League game of football where Hamish Rodriguez might be in the team. Uh, it's a mad world. It's a mad world. But we'll be back to talk about it again next week. Ready to get your glitter on? Then head to Worlds of Fun Grand Carnival from July 23rd through August 7th for a larger-than-life shimmering celebration. Join the spectacle of color, a dazzling parade of floats, performers, music, and beads that sweeps across the park. And take your taste buds on a world tour while dancing to music after dark. Save over 45% with a Carnival bundle, which includes admission, parking, and three food tastings. Only at worldsoffun.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.